Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the King. And He is forever our hope. Are you in? Amen. Well, we are in a series here called Greater. And we're talking about Jesus Christ. There is no one else greater. Jesus Christ. And we're over halfway through this series already in chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10 as we're walking through and uh, just looking at Jesus Christ who is greater with regard to the sacrifice he offers. Jesus Christ, my sacrifice, my hope, my privilege because of all that he gives. And that's our celebration. And as we walk it through, we just want to make sure we grasp a little bit of what's going on. We've said this every week now for a number of weeks that the author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish people, right? That's why it's called the book of Hebrews, writing to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And as he's writing to them, he's writing to them using some Old Testament context and helping them understand that following Jesus is exactly where they should be. Right, All of the Old Testament truths, all of the Old Testament laws pointing forward to Jesus Christ. The shadow was the Old Testament. The substance is Jesus Christ himself. And so the author making it really clear, you're in the right spot. Stay with Jesus Christ. Run hard with him. May your faith be in him. And the only catch is a lot of times when we read some of what's in Hebrews, we're not exactly as familiar with some of the Old Testament, maybe stories or laws or those details. And so it takes us a little bit to get updated. And so as we've talked about, I am your trailer, right? I'm that pre-lead to help you understand a little bit of what's going on. And the last three weeks have been a lot about the last two weeks and today are about the tabernacle and Christ's role reflected there. And so just one more time for a little bit of a trailer, me helping you out with understanding the uh, tabernacle and some of what we need to get. Let's just go to this image, kind of a bird's eye view here of the tabernacle. This is what would have been in the wilderness. By the way, just to be super clear, so this was built in the wilderness over the 40 years. When they ended up in Jerusalem, finally, they built a permanent temple or what they thought was permanent, giant stone and stone upon stone and gold all over the place. So this on steroids was put in Jerusalem, all right? But the tabernacle was that, that temporary housing, that thing that could be moved around in the wilderness, the thing that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, all right? And so if you notice here, when you look at this, uh, you see the outer fence line kind of saying, hey, everything going on inside of here is holy. You see the bottom piece, that red entrance, that's what Jesus called the gate. And Jesus said, I am the gate. Right? So much of what goes on in the tabernacle is actually reflecting Jesus Christ himself. As you move through the gate, you move up to the altar where the lamb's sacrifice would have been. And John said, behold the lamb of God. When he was talking about Jesus Christ, he is our sacrifice for you and for me. His blood, his body, our sin forgiveness. Man, as we step into this place, as we step into the glory of God, know this. We do not step in here because of our own cleanness. We step in here because of Jesus Christ and his perfection. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That means any sin done and over in Christ, hand it to him and it's behind us. Praise be to God. Hope in him. And so you see the altar, it represents Jesus as the Lamb of God. Right after that, then the basin where the priests would have done some purifying, some cleansing. We are cleansed in Jesus Christ. 
He is our hope, our perfection. And then the priest would step inside the temple, and if you remember, or the tabernacle, and if you remember inside the tabernacle, you have the bread on the one side, you have the lamp on the other, right? Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And then you step forward to the very access moment where the the incense is coming up, and Jesus is our access. As he breathed his last on the cross, and said, it is finished, and the earthquake rumbled. The curtain tore in the temple, tore from top to bottom, giving access to the very glory and presence of God. Hear me, man. We have the privilege of God with us. That's what he's talking about. In fact, just so you know, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It says right after that, and the word, Jesus Christ, everybody say, that's Jesus. And the word tabernacled amongst us. Did you know that? It actually uses the word tabernacle there. Now, we actually say the word dwell so that we understand living, but it's using the same word. It's literally saying grasp Jesus Christ as our hope from top to bottom. All the symbols of the tabernacle fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Everybody just say in Jesus. And that's the hope. He is greater. So as we dive in today, know this, we're going to see the fulfillment of the tabernacle in Jesus, and we're going to see so much of it today being made clear. Let's go to point number one then as we turn to Hebrews 9, verse 11. Point number one, praise God for the heavenly tabernacle that Jesus entered once for all. Praise God for the heavenly tabernacle that Jesus entered once for all. You know, the Old Covenant, which was talked about up through verse 10 in this last week, and it was talking about the Old Covenant as a shadow. It dealt with the physical elements, the food, the drink, the outside, the body. It was dealing with the physical, but in the Old Testament, the physical was used as a shadowing to show all that was going to be done in us spiritually if we believe in Jesus Christ, right? Hope in him. So as we get going here in verse 11, remember we're coming off of the shadow of the Old Testament, only dealing with the physical. Now we jump into verse 11. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with human hands, that is not of the creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. It says, but when Christ appeared as high priest, when Christ came on behalf of you and me as high priest, and just so we're really clear on this, when it's not talking about when Jesus came as an infant, not that, everybody say not that, not that. Christ came as an infant. He was growing along the path as he ended up getting to 30 years old, starting his ministry. Christ ended up doing three years of teaching, went to the cross as he died on the cross and sin was being covered. His blood poured out. At that moment, he was lamb of God. He was your and my sacrifice. That's our hope. Him dying on the cross and rising again is our sin covered. Why is that such a big deal? Because God is a holy, righteous God. And all too often we take sin too lightly. But Jesus Christ coming to pay for that sin, Lamb of God, 
Three days later, as the earth rumbled and the earthquake hit and the tomb was opened and Jesus Christ rose from the dead, now alive, the life in him, now glorified body, at that moment, he begins to take on high priest. He is now going to take the sacrifice he just made and usher in through being high priest, forgiveness for you and for me. It's super important we grasp that flow. It actually says a couple chapters back that a high priest, once they die, would have to give up their role. Jesus Christ, after he died and rose, that's when he became high priest with his glorified body, with his stunning perfection, and with his perfect sacrifice, him being high priest for you and for me. At that moment, it says he appeared as high priest of the good things that have come. Uh, What good things? Well, of forgiveness of sin. Remember the Old Testament, there was a semblance of what looked like forgiveness, but it was actually God putting sin aside and tolerating it until the time of Christ. Actual coverage of sin, forgiveness of sin, perfecting from sin. He actually literally changing us from the inside out. Good things that come in Jesus Christ. Him our advocate, him on behalf of us. Good things that come through Jesus Christ. His glory beaming down on you and you literally basking in his glory begins to change your heart one little bit at a time. Man, if you grew up in a church that was super structured and even traditional, we'll say, and it taught you to act and behave certain ways, but actually did not teach you how the glory of the Holy Spirit was what was changing you from the inside out, man, that is teaching you to try to muscle your own change. That is not what scripture is saying. It isn't about muscling it. It is about effort. It is about us putting forward and saying, God, I'll cooperate with you. But there is miracle work that goes on in the heart. And all of God's people said, when these good things come, to who? Well, to those who admit, believe, and confess. We say it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C, right? Admit that we are a sinner in need of a savior. Admit we have done a lot of wrong. Admit, I'm wrong, Lord. And B, believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Please note it does not say believe he died on the cross for your sins. It doesn't say that. It actually goes one step further. Believe he is risen from the dead. Anybody can die. He is alive with power and authority risen. Do you believe in the authority and power of Jesus Christ? And then the last one, see, and confess him as Lord. And we can admit that we're a sinner, that we're wrong. We can believe that Jesus died for sins. It says in James 2, the devils believe and they tremble. It isn't enough to admit and believe. It is required of us to put ourselves under to confess him as Lord, you're in charge. What you say goes, Lord. And we begin to bask in the glory of Christ and literally we begin to taste of these good things. That's saved. Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that we believe he is risen and we confess him as Lord. Super simple. 
may we give our lives to the king of the universe, right? And there's great things that happen and he begins to do a work in us. It says, and then, right, after his death, after his resurrection, after he's become lamb of God and now stepped into being high priest, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered, Right? It says literally that he uh, stepped into the presence of the throne room of God. When it says here that he went through the greater and more perfect tent, it's like not the one we just looked at a little picture of. Not the physical tabernacle. Not that. Everybody say not that. Dude, not that. But something that that represents That is but a shadow and it is pointing forward, yes, to Christ and all that he is. And more than that, it's even a model of what is going on in heaven itself. The very glory and throne room and presence of God. And Jesus entered into the holy place where there was provision and light of God himself and the presence beaming and the access to the Father. And he stepped in with the blood brought from the lamb that was himself. He is the great high priest who will never pass away. So forever priest who entered into the presence of the father in heaven. Literally, this is the, after Christ arose, he became the high priest. He had died. He was our lamb. Now he's high priest. Then he actually gets ascended into the heavens and as high priest enters into the heavenly tabernacle for you and for me, Jesus Christ. That's our hope. It says he went into the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. In other words, this is God alone who made this. This is heaven itself. This is a stunning, thunderous look. In fact, if you want a little bit of an understanding of what it looks like, go to Revelation 4 and 5 and just read that slowly and look at the throne room and the glory and the presence of God. Just take a look at that sometime throughout this week. It is stunning. Revelation 4 and 5 gives you a little bit of a taste of the place that Jesus entered into before the Father. It says that he went into this place, he entered once for all into the holy places. Once for all. Everybody say once for all. Now remember the high priest in the Old Testament went in once per year. And Jesus goes in once ever. And the difference is one is imperfect and the other is perfect. One cannot bring change to the heart, and the other is bringing change, one degree of glory at a time. One is bringing stunning, absolute perfection, and that is Jesus Christ, once for all. He stepped into the glory and presence of the Father with the sacrifice of him at the cross, Lamb of God. And as he stepped in with that blood, saying, this one, Father, May this bring forgiveness for the people. Remember, the high priest goes on behalf of the people. And so Jesus, your high priest, on behalf of you and all of the church, those believing in him, hope in him. He entered once for all into the holy places. Notice it plural. 
you do see the holy place and the most holy place. And in fact, if you go to Revelation 22 now, so four and five, and then Revelation 22, you actually see the throne room of God, the lampstand. You see all the detailing starting to be described. Look at the similarities in Revelation four and five and Revelation 22. It's stunning. God is describing a little of what's going on in heaven even right now. It says, Jesus entered in once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood and goats and calves. In other words, not by an animal that was found spotless on the outside, but not on the inside, right? Not by that, but by the means of his own blood, by one who is human, who has a spotless exterior and a spotless interior, Jesus Christ himself. We cannot be that sacrifice. Him alone for me. That's our hope. It says, by the means of his own blood, he is that substance. The shadow was the goats and the lambs and their blood, saying there's going to be a blood coverage. Hang on. And Jesus Christ is that blood coverage. Every wrong thought, every wrong action, every misact that so stood against God, everything that takes from somebody else, everything you look back and you cringe and you wish you'd never done, you can bring that to the king in glory and cry out to him and there is immediate forgiveness and coverage with his blood. And all of God's people said, once for all, Jesus Christ covering the sins of all future and present and past at the time he entered in. It says, thus securing an eternal redemption. He is the eternal perfection, so his offering brings eternal redemption. This massive celebration that we have. Please get this, man. When you open up the Bible to Genesis 1, it starts out, and there's a creation, and it's good. And then a little more creation, and it's very good. And then there's the Garden of Eden, and there is man interacting with God and walking with him there. There is sweet, perfect privilege. And then it all crumbles by chapter three. That's how good we are as human beings. Like we ruin it by chapter three of the book, right? And it's all collapsing down. And Jesus Christ is now stepping in thunderously to begin to bring it all back. This book ends where it started with Revelation 21 and 22, stunning perfection forever. You and me, God with us, walking with him, interacting with him, worshiping with him, no sin in the way. The story of this book has a hero. His name is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. may we worship that, amen. Huge hope, massive story, my sin's in the way. Time for me to put it down. May God truly be worshiped. We have perfection along the way and hope. Jesus bringing that, Jesus bringing that transformation one little bit at a time. So there was a man, a little bit older man, 
And uh, wise in his years, he was with a young boy, and they were actually going out to explore a neighbor's farm there in the area, kind of run down, and the neighbor had moved on. And, and so they were going around and looking at different parts of the farm and just enjoying kind of seeing some of the uh, things that were growing and all the rest. They came upon a well, an old water well, and uh, they could see that there was water down there. And this, uh, the boy is like, is it, is it good water? And he's like, oh, the water around here is actually very fresh. It's great. And, uh, but the bucket was sitting outside the well. The bucket was sitting there in the sun over the last years, decades. And so this bucket had gotten very dried out. In fact, the wood kind of shrunk and shriveled. It sort of separated apart. You could see the gaps all the way around on it. There was no way it was going to hold water. He's like, but what do we do? And the guy's like, just watch this. And he takes a rope and he ties it around it and he throws it down there. And the boy's like, that is not going to work. And he goes, yeah, we got to go. And they left. And they came back days later. And when they came back days later, he reached over and grabbed the rope. And the boy said, it's not going to work. And they started pulling and it was so heavy. And as they pulled it up with all their might, they pulled up this bucket filled with water. And as it hit the top, spilling over fresh, cool, cold water, the bucket had been restored. The water filtering into the wood just sort of rehydrated. It expanded back out. The wood started pressing against each other, filling the gaps, and it was able to be what it was meant to be. I'm telling you, that is you and me with Jesus Christ. Man, we have the hope of being thrown into the well of water that is the living water, Jesus himself, and the living water of Christ, rehydrating, fixing, repairing, restoring the cracks in our soul. And as that crack is restored, as everything put back to how it should be, man, we enter into glory with Jesus Christ forever. He is the living water. We are the cracked bucket. And all of God's people said, may we trust in him and lean on him. So simple question. Are you sitting in the hot, dry sun of sin and self? Are you basking in the me of this world? Or are you basking in the glory of God Almighty? Have you dove deep into the well of living water that is Jesus Christ? He alone brings the good things. May God get all the glory. Point number two, praise God for the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus. Praise God for the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus. He's like, why are we talking about these details. Why are we saying his blood is needed? It says, for if the blood of goats and bulls and of the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, like if those things were happening, the outside body could be cleansed by. And for those of us who aren't Jewish and walk through the details, you might be like, what? in the world is he talking about with the ashes of a heifer and like there was this red heifer and it the it would become a burnt offering and they would use those ashes and it would cleanse and purify the body before God and be able to be kind of a worship statement and that was one of the pieces they walked through in old testament 
And he's like, look, man, if that had some sort of positive effect to the physical cleansing as far as God was concerned, then how much more? Everybody say, how much more? Right? Jesus is greater. And so how much more? Right? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience? How much more will the blood of Christ Jesus is entering as your high priest into the heavenlies. When he ascended into the heavens, he stepped into the presence of the throne room of God with the glory beaming around on your behalf. You weren't even in existence yet. But for you and for me, once for all. And he stepped in as high priest, offering his perfect sacrificed blood with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. What does it mean through the eternal spirit? You know, there's a lot of thoughts on this. I can at least say this. Um, At the minimum, right? Jesus, as human, he became a man physically because the Holy Spirit worked with Mary's body. So Mary provided the egg, but the Holy Spirit was the father there. And so at least you have the Holy Spirit, kind of the physical father element there with Jesus Christ. But more than that, not only the physical body, also the glorified body that he received, the Holy Spirit playing a role in that. And so Jesus' very body, and then the Holy Spirit working around him and protecting him as he walked his ministry. Man, the Holy Spirit had huge role in Jesus in this world. And notice now in this passage, you see the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father, the Trinity working together for your salvation and mine. God has a plan. He loves you with all he's got, and he's pouring himself in fully. He says, to purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. To purify our conscience. He's not just purifying the physical flesh. He's literally beginning to work inside. Purifying conscience. And maybe you've entered into this room today and joined us online. And you have so much sin wrecking your life that you wish you'd never been a part of. Maybe your conscience is tearing you up. And please hear me. Jesus Christ offers a purifying of that conscience. Set it behind you. May Christ get all the glory. Purifying conscience literally meaning I'm going to change your heart a little bit at a time and you're going to grow into the perfect one I've intended you to be. As we are saved, God does restoring work and says literally that we might serve the living God. Please hear me. God does not begin to do a work in us so that we can go off and enjoy ourselves. Everybody say, not that. Do not that. He pours into our lives and he changes us that we might turn around and make our lives a very worship celebration of him. A sacrifice back to the living God. Lord, what do you want done? Your will, not mine. Confess him as Lord. Man, that's the call. May we truly celebrate the king who changes our conscience and heals our hearts and brings us home to perfection. 
And this world that we broke is all in God's hand and he's got it fixed one little bit at a time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord like a bucket dropped into a well, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image one degree at a time. That is our hope. We work with the King who has our sin in hand. He became the Lamb of God. He stepped in as high priest, offering up that very sacrifice, him for me. Jesus, he's in the restoring business, not just the paying business. He is in the fix it from the inside out and forevermore. And all of God's people said,